one of the things that the mother <coughs> would want us from us is what is called as self forgetfulness this is one of the biggest reason for miseries in life that we are too much concentrated upon our own self including when we turn to the divine we want the divine for ourselves we are too much about what i am getting out of my contact with the divine and paradoxically when we want we shut ourselves into a small limited narrow consciousness and stop receiving so very often uh, people um, ask how to open how to receive so one of the ways is this to come out of this sense of self importance excessive self importance often exaggerated self importance in which we live and when we look at the vastness of creation and everything that is around then we realize that what a foolishness it is and uh, there are so many simple ways to come out of it one of the things that one learns at the ashram and there are so many letters of the mother when people would write to her that oh i am having this problem that problem i am miserable and she would give a simple remedy that try to learn to forget yourself and the simplest means that is available is through work is such a simple way to just come out of oneself one's boundaries to do a work to it well with full concentration on the work on trying to do it well this was one of the things that one learns immediately uh, in the ashram context there were people having serious problems even psychological difficulties physical problems and mother would ask is the person coming for work yes mother regularly okay then it's fine don't worry about it the person will come out of it and i have seen this that um, it's it's amazing uh, one of the things that strikes me as a, a i mean in the ashram which is in contrast to the way we are used to uh, understanding work culture is that here is a place where there are no perks and no payments and people are regular punctual they do their job well even when there was this uh, massive cyclone all the hotels in pondicherry were closed but in the dining room people reached sure enough the only place which was open in pondicherry on that particular day and from morning that day there was no token or anything whoever came <laughs> could reach there would get something and go so they just made rice and some lentils and you know it was like given from morning 6 or 6:30 onwards and the cyclone was raging um, i mean well past midnight i have come that day and i know all the trees had fallen currents had you know gone off and these people came spontaneously joyously wearing you know half a shirt and uh, if you look at some of these uh, youngsters it's amazing even some of these old people where do they get this enthusiasm and joy from where does the commitment come from and it comes from the joy of service joy of belonging to the divine joy of being able to participate in some way which would help the work this is something beautiful and this i feel very often when we talk about yoga sadhana we straight away think about ourselves i am doing sadhana i am doing yoga what i should do to get what i want to get from the divine and eventually we get nothing maybe momentarily something 
and then we wonder oh what is the use i've been doing some practice for the last 5 years 10 years kuch hota nahi hai because i am doing it that's why and i want it that's why the day we decide that it's not i who want to get but to give spontaneously things will happen because it just widens us amazingly it widens us and one of the things is to forget oneself through work it's a very simple means given to us or to forget oneself in something which is beautiful something which is high something which is as the mother says disinterested disinterested engagement i remember long back when with a center i had the great fortune privilege and grace to work at a center so i opened prayers and meditation for like how should i what should be my attitude and state i was very enthusiastic ah mother's work so even in mother's work she says even in a work which is represents to you the most divine yet there should be disinterestedness and it it shook me i said how can one what does it mean and slowly the meaning begins to unfold what is this disinterestedness nothing you demand or expect but just to give and the joy of giving if tomorrow you are out you are out and it's such a beautiful feeling to carry and such a simple cure for most of the miseries and she would say there is a beautiful line of the mother that self forgetfulness is the best remedy for many of the problems see lot of anxieties worries fears they all come from shrinking upon oneself and as we were reading in the morning why human beings are not able to feel the divine we are shriveled up we are dry we are closed so close so small so narrow and so much tied up to our sense of self importance so this is one part of it second thing which she would often uh, stress particularly when she had her readings on the dhampada and of course is there in the gita also is balance balance and moderation so sadhana is not an extreme it's not like okay i'll go without food for two days and then uh, fine that's not sadhana that's again that's another way to uh, feel that i'm doing something but a balance and moderation to eat whatever we want to eat but eat it within limits before the doctor sets the limit for us we set a limit that really should it's fine similarly with sleep shubhendra would somebody who would sleep less he would say sleep more somebody who was sleeping more he would say sleep less and so he said don't if you read my letters it'll be very difficult because he would give a totally opposite advice depending on which way the balance is going if somebody was meditating too much he would say no you will probably shut yourself in some kind of an illusion of experience this also happens very often that people withdraw from life shut themselves and they are doing lot of meditation and they start getting some experiences and they confine themselves to that and they they are stuck there so there is a time for meditation particularly it's good to keep let's say instead of one long meditation it's good to have three four settings at different points of time maybe 15 20 minutes 10 minutes at the most half an hour exceptions apart some who are meant for meditating a lot but by and large for us on an average three four times when we can go sit 
maybe in the morning, at night, afternoon, and just be there quietly sitting, open, receptive, just waiting for the divine to come. And that itself in a process of giving ourselves. Instead of wanting something, Mother, take take this mind, this is yours. This is the troublemaker. Bring their peace and quietness. Or sometimes simply to connect with the divine by writing, through writing, talking, writing a diary. It is such a simple, wonderful method of getting out of many of the difficulties at the same time connecting with the divine. Very simple way. So, But there should be a spontaneity in it. A real feeling that it's not a diary you are writing but a letter to the mother. So many instances even now I know where people write to the mother and um, they, they'd say, just as it used to happen earlier, that you know what, I wrote the letter even before I posted it, problems started getting resolved. Because we put in touch with the divine. This is what used to happen earlier also. And the same thing applies now. So just to write it and give it to her. That's it. To give, you know, there was a very beautiful book of Janina Stroka. I think it's uh, Captive of Her Love, if I'm not mistaken. Lovely book. Where she says, after many years, not too many years, she just lived for nine years in the ashram or ten years. And she says, now I know what the yoga is. What is it? If I have a headache, I tell the mother, Mother, this is yours, take it. So simple. So beautiful. What a way to relate with the divine. So to have that kind of a living contact, not contact with, Narada was saying that day something very beautiful, this consciousness to bring into things that... uh, putting something over Savitri. So many of our actions are so unconscious. Even when we are in front of, uh, you know, very often we say, oh, it's mother's picture. This is not, uh, well, that's one way to look at it from a purely material science point of view. But the other is, it's a presence which has embodied itself in this form. Her presence has embodied itself in so many forms. In this form, she has put something of herself. So it's not just a picture, it's a presence. And just to live with that, such a wonderful little rule Shurabindu gave which can really change our life. In the ashram context when people ask Shurabindu, tell us what should be the rule for yoga, for sadhana. Shurabindu gave a very simple rule which Nalnida has called the golden rule. There is a beautiful talk of Nalnida, the golden rule. And he says there, live always as if you were under the eyes of the Divine Mother. Do nothing, try to think and feel nothing. That would be unworthy of the Divine Presence. Such a simple thing. Another thing which um, I find, because this is another aspect which uh, repeatedly comes in life, that we tend to see ugliness around us. Not just evil, ugliness. And we are overwhelmed with it and we... um, we don't know how to react to it. Sometimes we feel, where is the divine? Look at this person, look at that person. Look at this happening, look at that happening. And the mother says, one of the cures for ugliness and evil is not to look at the side which is ugly and evil. And then, you know, after this statement, she says, I know when I say this, many of you will say, if I don't look at it, how am I going to cure it? 
She says when you look at it and talk about it, you strengthen it, you make it stronger, more and more. So a very simple thing when, you know, in interpersonal relationship, it happens that people end up criticizing others. When A meets B, they criticize C. When C meets B, they criticize A. When A and C meet, they criticize B because this is one of the joys of life. Almost a very sacred joy. As if, you know, if one didn't do it, one is missing something. But instead, if we could see the beautiful side, which is there in everyone. And mother says um, very beautifully that my child, I always look towards light, beauty, truth. I do not see this part. This is there. I know it. Every human being has feet of clay plunged into mud and mire. I take it as like, you know, it's not only human beings' creation. So this is to be taken for, you know, granted. Even the seer and the sages have their feet of clay landing there. But there is in everyone something which is beautiful, something which is open, something which is turned to the light. And that part has to be nourished. And as it grows, and that's where she says how it cures, it automatically tends to clear the darkness inside. How do we tackle darkness? By lighting a lamp, as simple as that. We all know it. Not by remaining in darkness and struggling with it. So sometimes in, in, um, in yogic life, in, in the life of sadhana, whatever we may call it, I am not particularly fond of using the word sadhana. It gives very, you know, sense of uh, self-importance of being sadhak. But anyways, in, in the course of inner life, we tend to throw ourselves into a very unnatural struggle with all kinds of difficulties. Oh, from today I am not supposed to do this. From today I am not supposed to do this. Alright, that's true and one has to work upon it. But much more important is to strengthen the light. What I am supposed to do to aspire, to surrender, to more and more love her, how to grow in faith, how to grow in devotion, nothing else just to read something. So this positive side of sadhana, of yoga, should occupy 70 to 80% of our time. And the rest she will take care very beautifully she will take care. Everything, even things which appear to us as impossible, she will steer us through that. So looking at things, the beautiful side of things, of people, how she would encourage. There were people who could do nothing except, you know, uh, you know this famous story, Divan Bhai telling mother, not Divan Bhai, somebody else telling mother that, you know, these people are useless, they should be out. How she has shown uh, the art and science of divine management, how divine manages the creation. It's also something to reckon with in our modern corporate world, how we, we should manage aligned with the divine, how divine manages. So the person went and said, Mother, um, you know, this person is useless, that person is useless. The mother asked Divan Bhai to prepare a list of people who are useless, so that, you know, so he made a list of 25 people who are useless. So mother would say, but this person is doing this, doing this, like that. She kept ticking everybody that, no, 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 he is useful. Finally, one person, she says, but you know, he puts stamps on the envelopes. So nicely he puts the stamps. You know, just a small little thing she has observed. That this person puts the stamps of the envelope on the envelope and does it well. That's enough for her to be part of the creation. Ultimately, in our 
you know, collective life. What are we really here for? Not for self-assertion, not for, you know, trying to prove a point or one-upmanship. But simply to help each other grow towards that great goal. All of us are at the same level. This idea that someone is superior, someone is special, someone is, you know, God-chosen one is very dangerous. All of us are, you know, little bit up-down, looking from the sun, Mount Everest and the uh, Atlantic depths are the same. It's only our illusion at the earth level it looks big and small. And then to be together and carry all together, Sangachati, Sang, Sang Badatvam, Sango Manasi Janata. Such a beautiful uh, fire mantra with which, you know, Rig Veda starts. That may we think with one mind, may we unite our efforts, may we uh, with one feeling, one aspiration go together. In every where she has brought that aspect, every sphere of life, marriage. She says that. You know, normally we have a fire and then the marriage. But how beautifully she says to walk your hand together, uh, to hold your hand together and walk the same path at the same pace, to the same goal, wedded around the central fire. This is the secret of lasting union. How beautifully in everything. There is nothing that she has rejected. Whenever people would say, they asked the mother... Now that the super mind has come, what is it going to reject? You know, we have this idea about uh, sadhana as an ascetic life where we have to leave certain things. So mother said, reject? But what? She said, no, no, mother, super mind has come, so certain things will be gone. Then she became very quiet. Then she says, well, perhaps the hypocrisy. Because in life there is so much artificiality. So another thing which she would really appreciate is genuineness. Sincerity, straightforwardness, not trying to show one thing and being something else. That's what is being like a child open to her. Not covering, the Vedas speak about it, that you know there are forces which are called as coverers. And what do these coverers do? They cover up all kinds of things, dark things, and they paint a very beautiful picture. There is one particular Asura, which Shavindo speaks about this Asura in Secret of the Vedas, Vala. He clothes himself even in shining dresses. And the big problem is that when we live a life of deception, we are easily deceived. So very often people go for this guru, that master, here, there and there. So people ask the mother, she said, no, you can't say they are deceiving. People are getting deceived because they are themselves living a life of deception. And then she says, however, genuine people, those who have an awakened soul are never deceived by any kind of show. Because they are like that, open inside the heart. So genuineness, not covering something. How beautifully she has described sincerity, one of the fundamental qualities to be cultivated in spiritual life. And she gave so much importance that she said sincerity opens all doors. It is the key to all doors. More than anything else, just being sincere. And then she said, when people come to me, there are some, if I look into their eyes... I just go deep, deep, deep. It's all open, transparent. And there are some, I see an iron wall, dark smoke. They don't allow to go further. They are one thing inside, very different thing outside. That's not a healthy life. That's What is there? If we have problems, darknesses, 
to be offered to the divine he will take care he didn't say that you you don't come if if we don't have darknesses then we are siddhas we have it we offer to the divine she takes care but if we hide it and put a facade and mask that is dangerous because it invites a blow if she really takes it either we will lead a life which is full of duplicacy and miserable life or it will invite a blow both ways it's uh, terrible so just to be before her just as we are so these are some of the fundamental qualities and attitudes which needs to be cultivated in the in the practice of integral yoga and in fact in the practice of any yoga and there are so many instances of so many uh, other yogas also shri ramakrishna paramahans we know how girish ghosh when he went to him and he used to drink he used to have all kinds of vices and he told shri ramakrishna you want me to do this yoga i can't do all this very sincerely he said don't expect me to do yoga i am prone to this kind of life he did not hide anything so he said doesn't matter still you continue with this yoga but how what am i to do i can't meditate i can't sit quietly for 2 minutes and shri ramakrishna told him but who is asking you to do all this so what do i do you do one thing next time when you drink you think about me and then you drink he said that's all he said yes okay very good that's very simple i can do it after 3 4 days he came and said what have you done you know how can i do this how can i give drinks to you i don't mind doing something to myself but how can i do this to you and then he said you know i i become so uncomfortable now he said but that's you have committed now to this practice so it if at all yoga is easy this is the way this is the path when it becomes very easy natural spontaneous we just flow towards the divine in every which way in every circumstance then another thing which mother very much emphasized two things rather which go together cheerfulness and gratitude and if we look at the root of it cheerfulness comes from trust in the divine if we really trust the divine we will be cheerful simply because we know he is there that's it there is no cause for any sorrow but you know in fact shivinda said it's it's uh, it opens us to grace when we are complaining and grumbling all kinds of forces enter into us there are difficult situation everybody passes through but at that point of time if we can still remain in good cheer it's it's one of the beautiful things of life we have been you know talking also about uh, you know illness and how to cure different ways but this is a very simple thing when roga can become yoga roga is illness it's the result of bhoga bhoga means enjoying life foolishly <laughs> nevertheless if it comes turn it into a yoga there are people i have seen remaining in such beautiful disposition even during illnesses we know how amrita when you know had heart attack you know normally people become so serious you know what i had a heart attack and with so seriousness they will recount as if it's a label batch one you know medal they are carrying i had a heart attack now i belong to an elite group of humanity because i had a heart attack some people like you know i am my psychiatrist it's not a cause for so you know when people ask me oh amrita what happened to you 
expecting me what to do you know i had a heart attack i don't know why i had a heart attack i have uh, you know given my life to mother why i had a heart attack nothing like that amrita said nothing my sweet heart is giving me some trouble <laughs> i mean what could imagine that at that point of time amrita could play with words and simply create such a beautiful uh, you know as if it's nothing he says my sweetheart is giving me some trouble not that i have a heart attack and i have this problem such a beautiful way everything in life can become a means and this comes this cheerfulness comes directly from trust in the divine such people are always always happy i have seen people with paralytic strokes i have seen them and they are so so smiling cheerful in the ashram context so many i have seen and continue to see with a smile on their face always you would feel they are miserable but they are not miserable they are pretty happy deep inside some of them one of them particularly i remember telling me ah you know i was very restless so divine has pinned me down you be here put me on the bed instead of saying i am bedridden amalda when somebody told him oh i believe you are you know handicapped now because you are not able to walk So he said, "No, no, you are mistaken. I am not handicapped. I am leggy capped." <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, can one imagine somebody on a wheelchair being assisted is saying that I am leggy capped and asking? I have I have seen him so many years. He was nursing home, so never for one moment he allowed any cloud of despair come to him. The person, I mean, he could not do anything by himself, and you know he would remember his ice cream. Where is my ice cream? like that like a child i mean so beautifully no kind of you know show or sham my first encounter with for instance niruddha it was amazing you know i had heard about him he has written savitri and obviously they are yogis so i i was under the impression you know who would be niruddha and i saw in theater ashram theater after a program somebody said oh there is niruddha Now I say, are you sure? Because I saw him jumping across the <laughs> little, you know, barricade instead of going up the stairs like a child. He just went across. So spontaneous, so beautiful, and such a sense of humor. They never allowed, you know, people to come and start worshiping them and you know, making a guru out of them. Even now, you will see what is written outside his room. Please do not do pranam here. So he would sit there and meditate. and someone came and started looking at him must have heard something so niruddha asked him ki korchis what are you doing no no i am just uh, looking so he said what ami ki taj mahal na qutub minar what are you looking at am i taj mahal or qutub minar that you are looking at me this kind of sense of humor and this kind of you know cheerful disposition is itself the sign of divine presence there is a very beautiful uh, you know writing of the mother i don't have it right now uh, it's about the sun of divine laughter which melts away everything it's at the core of all existences and he says just look at that it's the sun of divine laughter and the other thing that she emphasized was gratitude it is the sign of the psychic presence upon earth gratitude 
otherwise there are two kinds of people one who believe if i get something i deserved it but if i didn't get something somebody has to be blamed about it <laughs> either you he she god somebody you know like but if i get it it's my efforts but there are other kinds who are always grateful grateful when they get things grateful when they lose things grateful when things come to them grateful when things go away from them it's an attitude of life is a famous story of a muslim emperor's wife mumtaz i think she was humayu humayun's wife so she she was a mystic in her own right and she had a lovely china glass mirror not glass mirror and it broke and when it broke the maid servant was terrified she goes and says oh empress that mirror has broken and she is waiting what next and this empress says wow wonderful thank god my vanity is broken that object which fed my vanity day and night is broken it's an attitude gratefulness when everything is snatched away one says ah you are preparing me for your embrace and when everything is given back ah so many ways you are coming to me this is gratitude just to get up in the morning mother says every morning we should make a prayer of gratitude just be grateful that we are alive that we can breathe that there is this sunlight that there is this breeze that we can still think of the divine remember the divine this just a way of life so these are the qualities which we see in mother's symbol 12 qualities that we have to cultivate endurance equanimity sometimes things don't go well fine they don't go well with so many people i am not singled out we start thinking why has god singled me out it happens it happens to everybody something or the other goes wrong it's not like you know god has marked us out here where is this man ah i picked him i must put my little thumb over him to make him feel miserable no it's the vastness of creation in which vast immense forces are moving before which we are not even like ant we live with a sense of self importance when guru nanak was put in the jail and he asked his his disciple asked him why you have been put into jail whipped whipped and castigated and put in the jail you are such a god loving person guru nanak said don't ask all these questions now i am want to sleep morning we will answer this so morning he he was waiting whole night the disciple couldn't sleep why he has been put into jail he is a saint very often we ask these questions why me i am a devotee as if being a devotee means perfect immunity we are carrying a z security around us why so guru nanak told him okay did you sleep no i couldn't sleep he said guru nanak said i have slept well but anyways tell me how many ants got crushed below your back he said i don't know i didn't see he said see so he says oh quite a few he said see this is the scale on which forces of nature move we have no clue no idea it's it's sobering to know immense forces that move creation and if one of them just plays a sport it is tsunami destructive catastrophic 
eruption of volcanoes we may be watching this serial mahadev and we see and you know how one step of shiva little bit dance and <laughs> there is catastrophe upon earth and we say oh why shiva is dancing why is kali doing this she should stop again why because human beings are very important to themselves but kali and shiva they don't dance thinking of this when they dance they are dancing rejoicing we too can dance with them merge with them they are not destroying they are liberating all that is egoistic gets destroyed and all that is open to them gets liberated filled with their presence this is the you know people asked about last last year when there was a disaster uh, mandakini overflow the banks and you know kedarnath so many people died buried under the ganges oh why did you know these people who had gone to a pilgrimage die we are so much appalled by death so much because we are so much attached to this form and all that is physical all that is external we just don't see inside all our life at least hindus keep saying the best way to die is at the feet of the divine and in the ganges but when people actually died in the ganges at the feet of the divine there is a you and cry this is hypocrisy if either one believes this or believes that if this is so then it's wonderful this is the scale on which these forces move and it it may you know that's why sometimes we find divine love very cruel mother has spoken of that because it's not moves at our little humanity and yet the beauty is that in spite of this vastness she consents to become so close so intimate so near to us this is the divine sacrifice she reduces her stature to our heights this is how she when the puts in savitri she has lowered her down to our scale we cannot imagine how much mother and shobindo would have suffered simply becoming human just the act of becoming human to be amidst us to listen to our stupid stories and yet respond with a amrita says as a child he would go to shobindo and one hour he will talk to him in tamil and shobindo at that point of time knew very little tamil and this continued for one year and then he said i later on he says i don't know i used to speak so much god knows what nonsense i used to speak my family problem this problem that problem and he would just listen people approach for such silly things and again and again they would reply and yet the beauty is they came down to our level we have such lovely ways you know how people have done sadhana nallida saying take away cut open and take away all the darkness inside me like a butcher and shobindo replies back with a marginal notes take away yes but why like a butcher <laughs> with a surgeon's knife and how they observed smallest things nalnida writes again i went today and i got a lemon of a smaller size and i got a bit irritated that why they are reducing the size of the lemon 
and he writes a letter to shirbindu pretty long letter on lemon you know we take away these movements for granted oh look at them what they are doing why they had to you know uh, do this today why they didn't give ice cream why they had uh, small lemon why they had you know and we just get irritated and come away we think it's of no importance but look at nalinda writing a letter on a small lemon and his reaction and he says take away these reactions from inside me i don't want them inside this is sadhana nothing is so small as to escape the eye of the master everything can become an offering in the great yagna of sacrifice this is the great path shown to us by mother and shubindu who have become so close to us so intimate so near mother says i am with you means a lot of things when you sing i don't stand aside and watch you saying you are a sinner i sing with you i go down with you who will say this i sing with you i go down with you to lift us out of the darkness all that we need is just a simple yes from our heart yes mother do it for me there is a beautiful vision of nalnida with which i'll end and then have questions if there are questions i don't know it's a vision of nalnida in 1974 almost an year after the mother is physically withdrawn and the mother appears before him and she says look at me look here look at me i am here before you just the same you can approach me the same way human and divine same way forget the world forget your difficulties forget what is happening outside just look at me remember me and give yourself to me by my love that's all that's all that is required and she will take the entire burden and do everything for us this is yoga and this is love which is the crown of everything and this is sadhana so as i said uh, you know one could flow with it yes please yeah i'm happy that there is a question because i was just thinking yeah please ah plenty of them thoughts on raising children well very good um, i'm glad you know because there are so many aspects of one of the best ways that the divine prepares us for sadhana is to send children to our house because we develop qualities which we otherwise would never develop patience for example perseverance unconditional love all these things when children are around we have to develop them so it's a beautiful occasion to develop these qualities which we don't have they compel us another thing which is important is that children are very very keen observers they just emulate everything so the moment children are around we have to rise up to our best if we quarrel fight if we are busy doing you know nonsensical things they just pick it up 
and we can't blame them at all i mean they just pick it up so instead of saying do this don't do this we have to change ourselves to change ourselves it's a well known thing is to change others and it applies most accurately to children if we want certain qualities in children we have to straight away try to practice those qualities in ourselves if we want them to grow up as honest upright noble people in the world we have to practice wherever within us we see that there are ignoble things there are dark corners we have to work upon that they will automatically pick up never to force or compel them to become another copy it's another tendency in all of us because we believe instinctively that we are right of course we are always right <laughs> but that's not the way we have to allow them the freedom to grow and expand in their way they will have their own path they will have their own experiences they will have their own ups and downs of life we cannot avoid it but what we can do is to equip them with certain attitudes so that when they choose their goal whatever it be they are supported by this attitudes so instead of choosing their goals for them making their choices for them no we equip them and then to turn every little experience of their life into a means to develop this attitude you know there is something which happens uh, at least it used to happen in india of uh, old that if a child falls and parents oh you have fallen oh very bad and they would slap the earth it's a very bad practice i mean actually it is nobody's fault neither the child's nor the earth's but what are we really teaching the child there is a very nice advertisement comes on television indian television i don't know whether it comes here or not so it's about the girl child but you know it's done very beautifully it shows a boy who is crying because he has fallen and the mother says no boys don't cry then again he goes on the man says boys don't cry everybody says boys don't cry and they show that he is becoming very hard inside and then when he grows up then obviously he is he has become very hard he doesn't understand what tears are what pain is what suffering is that is and they are thinking they are doing a good thing <laughs> so he hurts his wife or girlfriend or whoever and then comes the caption if only he was taught that don't make others cry you know this but we just make them so hard sometimes yes we have to teach them but with a balance sometimes teaching one quality it's a quality not to cry certainly you one cannot deny this it's a great quality but see how exaggerating one quality at the expense of another can create an imbalance a very subtle ad i mean i hats off to the person who devised designed it because it touches upon a very very subtle point so we have to every experience of life becomes a catalyst for growth now when as a child he falls down and we say it's okay doesn't matter be more careful and come then when he later on in life suffers a fall for whatever reason he has learned that lesson as a baby it's okay when we teach the child when we forgive the child we are not very stern he also learns it this is okay we need not be harsh people make mistakes it's okay 
How many times the mother has said also and she would do? She said, never scold a child if he has come and confessed his mistake to you. Never. Never allow fear. She, she would say, the greatest impurity is fear. So to bring fear in you know our relation with the child. Everywhere we bring fear. The worst fear is when a child comes to my clinic and I am, you know, feeling the joy of being near a child. Doctor hai injection de dega. Suddenly I feel that I am some Yamdut or somebody, you know. Doctor will give injection and I feel I am a Yamraj sitting, you know, God of death. My God. So I, I keep telling, no, 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 I'll do nothing like that. But by now the child is primed. So doctor is a terrible creature. Of course he may be right. Most doctors... There are quite a few doctors here. <laughs> Do end up sending the patient faster to heaven than perhaps without the medicine. But that apart. The thing is that in every little thing, similarly when children grow up, say when they are entering adolescent, 13 year, 14 year, they fall in love. It's very natural. And many times, oh, this is not the age to do these things. Give attention to your career. No more mobiles. No more this. If we could teach them what it means to care. What it means to love truly. Now there's another opportunity. Instead of you know. Just pushing them in one direction. The big problem with children is that. There is excessive focus. On simply succeeding materially. And you know. We put them on a fast track of ambition right as a child and their whole development becomes stunted, dwarfed, doing well, you know, seemingly outwardly. And that's a big, you know, this, the disease of civilization, Shurabindo in the Arya, there is a beautiful question of the month. And Shurabindo points it out then. It's amazing. The big problem is that we are developing the qualities of the head at the expense of the qualities of the heart. So, human beings become unloving because they have learnt you have to push the other person aside and go ahead. So they become harsh and naturally after a long time when all this they come to path of yoga and all because it's shriveled up. So difficult to feel, you know, that there is so much beauty, love and joy around. So to develop the qualities of the heart is very important. So through all these ways, through examples, through and very loving and gentle guidance, there has to be, when the child is very small, you have to set certain boundaries. It's important. Freedom doesn't mean that, okay, any which way. There are certain boundaries which we have to set. These boundaries will slowly become more and more relaxed. And after 15, 16, you have to go through his own experiences. But these boundaries slowly become more and more relaxed. You give more freedom. Even in ashram context, children go for night out. 15, 16, they go for night out. So they stay for the night. Some six, seven children been there. It's part of the ashram. They'll go to lake where there are also snakes. And parents have an anxious time. So... And then they come back. But then they become equipped. So very often people ask in the ashram, how are these children equipped to face the world? So I have to tell them they are much more equipped to face the world. (laughs) Because they are given these opportunities to experience life. Another thing which I feel, I don't know which age group, of course it might be very young children, but when they are 15, 16, they must at least once travel alone. Particularly I am saying about Indian parents, I think. It's very important. They don't let the child travel alone and they are very protective and you know, 
they don't really learn or uh, what it means to really uh, manage themselves of course take care of the coordinates where the child is going stay in touch fine but travel alone it's a very simple way in ancient times it was called as deshatan then expose the child to these places these things which are beautiful but without any dogma so often i advise the parents that okay you want to come to pondicherry bring the children so you know they swing between two attitudes one is no no are we forcing them no bring them to see a place and i have seen children who were not got by parents and when i told the parents that come there uh how do you like the sea you would love a vacation near the sea and book them in park guest house facing the sea and they just love it and then they tell their father i have had such examples and they say he didn't bring me earlier that's not dogmatizing dogmatizing is when you say no no you must go to the samadhi like this you must eat dining room food if you don't eat you are doing something wrong no just let them let them be in that environment and grow up mother would say let them come even and sleep in the playground she would give that liberty and that is what helps them to open very unconsciously they imbibe something from the atmosphere so we must expose them to beautiful side of life unfortunately most of the news channels many things in the school they get exposed to a very very dark side of life because it's sensational and you know everybody talks about it whereas there is nothing like a good news though some people are starting like that but they are not interested so they should be exposed to the beautiful side of life and another problem which again particularly comes with indian parents is you know we have a rich tradition and we want children to follow a tradition now this is a very tricky thing while it's good to give certain sanskaras but you know children will not exactly follow the same way and the same tradition we have to give them the essence of things not just a habit not that every morning you have to come and touch the feet of dharti mata and touch the feet of parents and touch and nowadays they have found a shortcut so they you know just touch the knee and do it like this that you know <laughs> naturally they found it it loses an institution loses its value when we trivialize it it's trivializing a great uh, you know institution instead so nice if we can modify it they don't have to touch morning dharti mata but to make them feel that you know earth is living they will probably receive it better that way so this is not that parents feet has to be touched but love and respect has to be taught how do they learn to love parents very simple way if we love our parents they will understand it we don't have to tell them that look you know you must get up and you don't know who we are we are your parents <laughs> as if we are some tyrants <laughs> we are translating it like that but when they see that well my parents have love and respect for their parents they just get it we don't have to tell anything further so as they go through different stages to bring the essence of the sanskara very important to discuss with things with them rationally and not to get irritated if they ask 100 questions sometimes questions which Uh, maybe you know very uncomfortable for us why do you say krishna is god why do you say do you think hanuman can fly any monkey flies not to get irritated he has a point monkeys don't talk and monkeys don't fly his question is not invalid so we have to talk to him and help him to understand that what this monkey business is 
what really hanuman represents who is hanuman it's not about tail it's not about the monkey features so that means we have to educate ourselves about what ramayana is you know when we want to give it tradition what a particular religion is what a particular culture is then they really grow so without dogma in a free environment with lot of space and yet very gently mold sometimes is good to just give them suggestion and leave them particularly adolescent i'll tell you is a trick which works very well i mean i can tell you with authenticity because i have a child who has gone past adolescent and when i read a book on you know teenager i was very touched the only thing i remember about that book was the person writes that i thought i knew everything about bringing up a child until i had my own and it's so true so sometimes you know one of my issue was that you know he he should get up in time you know that that was my issue now everybody has his kink in the head that was my kink <laughs> though it worked out very well that he is a journalist now so you know his timings are very uncertain he keeps reminding me see i was right and i say yeah yeah you were right <laughs> you prepared yourself for this <laughs> but anyways so what i would say i like instead of getting into discussions or arguments i would just time to time post this messages you know beta it's it's much better you know if you sleep a little early and get up a little early nothing after that now slowly over a period of time these messages have gone into him you know how advertisement works in television this is exactly that that you are watching something and we don't even notice that pop up images are coming and they are unconsciously influencing us so many things can be passed during for instance when the children are half sleepy when they are you know just playing something in their environment beautiful you have to catch them off guard <laughs> not when i want to you know come and sit and this what happened no off guard when they are and there are moments when they are receptive this applies in any human communication even in husband and wife today is i think dj's marriage anniversary oh, wonderful so that's why probably we are talking a lot about it so <laughs> happy anniversary by the way <laughs> many happy returns of the day so you know like sometimes we need to talk but we don't need to talk at that very moment and clarify everything wait for the fires to cool down then we can talk there is a moment when you know children are receptive and that's a moment when we have to start most important two things in the end that mother has emphasized very much one is that instead of dogmatizing about one particular belief system including sometime we turn mother and shobindra into a belief system for children it's not may not be for us but for them we should just give them this idea that beyond this material universe this physical universe there is a much greater reality this is a beyond there is a divine presence don't give it any name with which we can come in touch this is one thing and second she says that the certitude of truth's ultimate victory through all the trials tribulations ups and down truth will eventually have victory satyameva jayate nanditam so if we can bring that into the child it will be wonderful if it goes inside the child and to appreciate when they are truthful and honest much better that they come and tell us that look today i bunked class and went for a movie then that they bunked class went for a movie and came and said 
ah i learned very nice things you know teacher taught me i mean we are very happy with that but it's very dangerous so these are just some of the um, i mean very in very brief i mean it's a very vast subject but these are just some of the things for bringing up a child mother has written so much on it i would suggest those who seriously want to engage in this please read mother's writings on the subject they are all to make it more easier they are all available on www.shyorvindhashram.org dot net dot in they are available if you just search the mother on education it's a wonderful i can tell you it's unparalleled literature and it's a pity that we many of us don't read it or get to read it much late and read it it's forget about whether one is following this path or that path it doesn't matter so many smallest issues about girls boys those issues studies concentration choice of career at different stages these questions will come what career should i choose how to navigate through you know your career choices what it means to make money what is the secret of really what really success is about what it means so all these things physical education its importance in such words which are amazingly simple so please read for more directly the mother's works yes please Yes. So you mentioned that consequences are sometimes favorable and sometimes not favorable. Yes. And uh, if they are not favorable, it is the first task. But the consequences are a result of the environment. And what we need to do is change our attitude in case the consequences are not favorable. But I, in particular, know that if sometimes things don't work in my favor, I try again. So I'm trying to reconcile between try again. very good question very beautiful but first let me make few corrections in it one is that circumstances of life are not the direct expression of divine will that has been probably taken that you know because i said in a certain way that they mean the divine will no physical world as it is today and events and circumstances of life are not directly governed by the divine otherwise there would be no need for supramental transformation certainly there is much in life which very obviously with a simple common sense we can say are not expression of divine will rapes and murders for instance you know 12 year old dying accidents alcoholism drugs then we have to if we really believe that it's no they are not the result of divine will they are the result of a complex play of forces in which through which the divine will gets distorted and at the end we see this result now favorable and unfavorable also is from the ego standpoint so when we say favorable or unfavorable we are putting ourselves at the center and seeing but life is not that let's accept reality life is not like that things won't be many times as we desire it to be so what do we do next next step comes here now this attitude on one side to persevere in what one has taken is a wonderful attitude to learn to persevere to learn to endure to learn to get back on life without giving up it's not in this sense that you know i must give up that okay if i am having an illness you know it can lead to absurd conclusions that if i am having an illness is divine wants me to have an illness no 
But at the same time, not to get disturbed, troubled, if things don't go our way. Because it's a tremendous loss of energy. So we can, you know, first to learn to accept. This This has been dealt by the mother in a very beautiful way in one place in the agenda because it's a very nutty question. And for a practitioner of yoga, it's a very difficult question because then on one side we have to accept things as they are. On the other side, we have to try to change them. Certainly we must try to change them. Otherwise, you know, world will be in a mess. So she says, the power to change things and you know, this is very, very carefully we need to, you know, leave aside divine will. The power to change things comes when we first learn to accept them. It's very interesting. And it applies at every level. It applies in human relationship, it applies at work, it applies at everything. So first to learn to accept without, you know, getting troubled or agitated. Then when, you know, it generates within us a very, very positive environment within a positive energy inside and all around us and then when we try to change and even there when we want to change it should be an expression of love not an expression of strain and struggle where the ego comes in problems will come so this is the only thing that we have to understand certainly we must like supposing somebody fails in an exam of course you must try again why not the least that will happen is that he will grow inside in strength. So we have to understand that this game of life is being played at two levels. One outer, the second inner. This is a very nice little story which illustrates this. That A man was going up the road and suddenly he saw a big stone blocking the path. And he doesn't know now what to do. How do I go further? And he hears a voice of God, push. So he pushes, pushes. Can't push. See, it's absurdity. Obviously. So he sits down. Very tired. Again he hears the voice. Get up and push. Pushes, pushes hard. Nothing. Third time the voice. Push. He said, this is obviously I'm hallucinating now. Sits down. Then, you know, after a while he gets an idea that maybe there is an alternative route I can take. So he takes the alternative route and goes across. And then he says, God, why did you ask me to push? He says, obviously I knew that you are not going to succeed. But what I wanted you is to develop that kind of endurance, muscular strength, stamina, so that you can really undertake the journey further on. You had done no exercise. This was my way of making you do exercise. Take for instance, you know, football. Two teams are playing. I am saying, speaking about two levels at which this game is played. One team wins, other loses. Or maybe rarely they will draw. But both gain, not just monetarily. Both gain in strength, both gain in the joy of the game, both gain in stamina, health, everything. So in this game of life, on one side there is the external game. Now we should not be so much caught up in the external game that we forget the inner thing. When we are caught up only in the external game, then we suffer and rejoice what is called as a life of duality. We today are very happy, very good, but tomorrow we should be know that you know we'll be in the dumps. But when we know that there is another level at which the game is being played, like a parallel universe which runs with us, then even when we are playing this external game to the fullest, we never forget this and that's our vantage point. For instance, when a person plays a role 
in in a theater at some point he has to also be fully involved in the role he can't say that it's a role after all but at the same time if he is so involved in the role that he forgets himself then he will start you know suffering and rejoicing it's a, it's it's nothing it's it's a play in the play his beloved left and went away it's not real it's a play imagine somebody say oh my god it's very bad my best friend deceived me nobody no nobody deceived you it was a play he knows it so after that you know they be, they have, you know it's very funny to see a hero and villain fighting with each other on screen but you know nowadays they do this off screen shots and when they are having a cup of tea and you know jolly sharing so this parallel part we should remember and certainly all that happens in life is not with a capital n expression of divine will that is one reason why shurbindo wants the supramental to be established upon earth it is not this world is not an expression of the divine it should be because there are many intermediaries and these intermediaries both gods and the titans distort the play gods by their own idea of what should be and the titans by their will to obstruct and usurp they both distort the play so that's how events are yes please exactly exactly so that's why these two um, attitudes which are very difficult to balance we have to balance on one side acceptance in life that well things happen mother knows best and then after a period of time all of us experience it that this was a very good thing to happen as i said that chinese that uh, you know mughal empress that you know good it has gone this is a very good attitude at the same time you know there are many situations where we have to work towards changing things let's say in the work environment if one is in a work environment where everybody is lazy and sleepy you have to do something about it it is a real real situation uh, similarly you know in you know if you have lost all the money you have to you know build yourself up you can't say like it's okay so there is a parallel side to life where we have to will things to change somebody has looted us so we have to work towards it you know it's not good to you know remain be deceived by people and just you know they loot your booty and go away no but this has to be balanced and in balance the first thing is to accept okay now fine it's a loss yes take it strengthen yourself with it then get back to life not with vehemence vengeance hatred agitation but with all the strength of a hero and that's what the gita is about gita is about that that for a long time krishna taught arjuna and the pandavas to accept you see the the most unfair thing that could have happened happened to them in the game of dice but krishna never asked them to fight that moment they could have fought and won tore away because they were all raging he should have said go fight he said no go through 13 years and after 13 years when all this has washed away from their consciousness then they develop the energy and the strength to be instruments of a divine will in action so this is where we have to balance and each one will balance one's own way so we have to change we have to accept first accept
wash away the reactions and then return back on life with all the strength and vigor and leave the consequences in any case in the hands of the divine because whether we win or lose the game of life we are always ultimately winners because we have moved one step forward there is this story in Alice in Wonderland when they run the race and ask who has won so that character I am forgetting the name Dojo or what says all have run the race all have come first all are winners and it's so true that in the game of life at the end of the day it's not where we reached but how we played the game so if we have to return back for change play it well play it with a clear heart and wideness tranquility play it well and if you accept take that also gracefully that makes us move forward so essentially the goal is not this but moving forward and either which way we can move forward <laughs> okay yeah yes Yes, mother has spoken about it because uh, basically, see, it's like I give this example. I've written a whole book on this, a lot of study, death, dying and beyond. So, you know, uh, one of the things, um, uh, it's not about advertisement of a book. It's about, it will genuinely help because, you know, it's been done with a lot of, uh, you know, love in that. So, uh, you know, it's like, let's say that a child is going abroad to study. Now imagine a situation where parents keep calling and saying, you know, beta kabaiga, you know, when are you going to come back? I miss you, mama misses you very much, and you know. Now you know a child will be torn. His journey is forward. Instinctively parents do it. Where the other part is that I am happy, wherever you are, do well. I love you. I send my love to you. Now, if you see out of the two. Obviously, the second approach is better. That's why it is said, those whom we love, even while they are living, the last act of love, which is like the final act, is to set people free. And yet, and that's where we must add that, and yet continue to love. So same thing applies here, that when they are going, what is death after all? It's an onward journey. We don't cry for them. Honestly, we cry for ourselves. They are actually forgetting. That story in Bhagavad, I'm sure you must have read, many of us must have read that story in Bhagavad. And they are on their onward journey, another two, three days they would even forget. They would be born as babies somewhere else and if we go and tell them, you know, I am your papa, <laughs> very confused. <laughs> I am fine with this papa. I don't want another papa, mama. You know, I am your wife. My God, this wife, you are my mother's age, don't you? So, this is a fact. So, the, it's, it's difficult, I know, but most certainly one thing is true that we should set them free. And the more we cry, the more we send them distress signals, particularly when they are still hovering in the vital world, when they are in contact with the earth atmosphere, they would receive it. They would receive it as vibrations. It's not only about crying, it's also about the grief in the heart. 
it they will feel connected drawn they will feel confused in the journey not knowing what's happening to us it's like an aircraft wanting to go but not able to take off so it's a very painful thing because to hover in the vital world is very very painful and that's why in indian custom there used to be this thing about shraddh on the 13th day or fourth day or 10th day you clear this vital world for them we can do it in a beautiful way simpler way as the mother has recommended people who love them or love the person who has gone sit together and send them thoughts of love pray that their journey be smooth it's a fact that they have gone they won't come back that which is gone has gone now what do i do now see always in life this helps to take like you know this is real this is a realistic situation what do i do now it's painful yes but what is the best thing to do the best thing is to set them free so with that thought with that attitude and yet let's give them a good departure and that's an act of love difficult i don't deny when you are attached it's bound to be painful and that's where you know even this can become a means of moving forward in life or as i said sadhana takes place through everything through birth through death we have to let them go so definitely if we cry or if we are very heavy inside our heart it's not good for those who have passed to the beyond it draws them pulls them up to a certain time after a month or two months it really doesn't matter because they have gone then it's not good for us and for those who are around us because we have got stuck into some past and we have to find any which way to move on because that's the way the stream of life moves any which way and to each one one's own way of course for the devotee it's much simpler to surrender to the divine and go otherwise to maybe change the place find a new work a vocation a new hobby new interest maybe you know so many ways usually for most people it's as they say the th- 13 days at most one month maximum stretching it three months maximum yes not gone beyond the vital world but this is very rare except in certain cases of very violent deaths like suicide or you know bomb explosions when suddenly one is disembodied that's when you know pishachas form they they are out of the body i know of people who it's happened like that and um they don't know what to do because they they are fully conscious and alive but except without the body so they need to find a body and enter into that body so they try to latch on and that's why it's very good to do prayers and meditation to especially in such instances where there are suicidal deaths or violent deaths to make sure that it's dissolved but in normal circumstances where one has died in a normal natural way usually it's not very long and they go further it's you see all of these um, truths in scriptures are they are trying to uh, relate to a certain experience so it's true in a certain sense that there is a sudden change from the material to a vital existence but if we go into its detail then it's not like there will be a connectivity between the two it's you know quite obvious yeah they would be 
but we shouldn't let set them free so we'll just take two quick questions in maybe 5 minutes uh, yes uh, both of i mean anil ji and uh, jint bhai yes through the vital world she said that for these people who are yes yes so she saw this one of part of her work was in the occult world she has done a lot of work and while she was at uh, in algeria practicing occultism for full one year she would see that you know passes through the vital worlds after death is so painful and since she was on earth as an embodied um, avatar she built a bridge through the vital world so that anybody with a little faith in the divine doesn't matter this uh, way the divine or that way the divine one can get into that tunnel and pass safely my own feeling is that lot of subsequent near death experiences that people have narrated where they suddenly speak about you know going quickly through a tunnel into the light they pass through that passage but obviously nobody knows who built that tunnel it's like we go through a bridge we don't know who built the bridge but i'm sure this is part of her work and which is being validated by science except that people don't know that who did it so, so many experiences of you know near death experiences are like that yes jyanti bhai soul has taken a rebirth why we continue doing this yes for the pandit's life you know because he has to <laughs> see we should take pity on the pandit also <laughs> he has to survive he has to grow up make his children grow up <laughs> send them to he is also ambitions that they will study one day in some good school and a poor fellow by default or design <laughs> has taken to this strange profession <laughs> which is no more now among the peaks so you know in the uh, that's how he will earn money no so you know some shraddh every year and some puja every second day and some marriage some this that so in the process they earn their livelihood so anyways you are doing a good job but we should know what we are doing it we are not doing it for uh, you know the one who has gone but we are doing it for you know a, a class of uh, humanity who probably needs to survive i am not fond of that class of humanity though <laughs> Okay, lastest, last, lastest, last. Okay. One has to be very developed to have that kind of knowledge. But it is true that in a certain sense the soul chooses, but not immediately. One has to go to that place first. These experiences have to be assimilated. After one has assimilated these experiences, so that's why between one class and another there is a holiday. so you assimilate those experiences then you are ready for the next adventure otherwise there will be rebirth in digestion you know sometimes it does happen that a portion gets on to it's a very complex phenomena no one rule applies but very quickly like a portion can get on to uh, another life form and it can be very disorienting so it has to assimilate those experiences go to a resting place it's beautifully described in savitri the world soul canto and then come back for the new adventure and that's where it does choose in a way but a very conscious choice is only for developed psychic beings in most people the psychic being is not developed it's not fully formed it's still just a psychic spark so there, i mean we will close it because otherwise it's uh, too long if people have questions we have still tomorrow and maybe some informal we'll sit around today and night and talk about it thank you